Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. My name is Terry. It's a joy to welcome you here. And it's already been a fantastic morning. And if you're uh, just joining with us for the first week, we're finishing up a series entitled Hold the Anchovies. It's a little tongue-in-cheek in in the life of a man by the name of Jonah. And now if you're new to Christianity or you've never read the Bible, uh, Jonah, we can relate to the guy by the name of Jonah. You see, Jonah was a guy where all of a sudden God spoke to. He spoke to his heart and said, Jonah, I got a plan. I have a plan for you. I'm going to use you to be able to speak a word to a city. This city is out of control. They're doing the wrong thing. So I want you, Jonah, to go and I want you to send them a warning, kind of hoping that they will turn from their wicked ways and do the right thing. And Jonah, like a lot of us, because I think God does that for us every single day. Terry, I got a plan for you. Terry, I want you to stop, pause for a few minutes, have a conversation. Terry, you remember, it's not about you. It's about me. And if you actually follow me, you'll have a better life. And instead of doing that, we just look at God and say, God, I don't have time. God, I'm not interested. God, I'm tired. God, it's going to take way too much effort to do this. And so we turn and we run. And Jonah ran from God as far as you can run. And last week, if you remember, um, Jonah was running, 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 running. And he would refer to God as the God, the God, the God. And all of a sudden, in a moment when he's thrown into the sea and a big fish swallows him in his deepest, darkest, most close to spiritual death as he could get, he finally turns and says, you are the Lord, my God. He turns, he says, God, it's about you. It's not about me. What is it that you have for me? And that's where we're going to pick it up today. In order to set this up a little bit though, um, I got to be honest, who's hungry in this room? Because I am. Anybody hungry out there? I see a few hands, few hands. Because you see, I have up here uh, on this platform this big king-size Reese's peanut butter cup. Now, this is not on my diet, so I can't eat it, but I want to live vicariously through some of you. So who's hungry in this room? See, it's interesting. I did this last service, and some of you are like, yeah, I'm hungry. And then when you saw it was Reese's, you're like, oh, yes, I'm hungry. All right, so, so who's hungry? I saw a few hands up there. Okay, so keep them up. If you're hungry and you love Reese's, keep them up. Okay, I see you in the front. You, you got your hands up there. That's great. All right. So now I have one last question, though, to be able to ask. Keep your hands up because I haven't sold yet. Some of you are like, great, he's going towards her. He's going to give it to her. Some of you have already given up. You don't know what's going to happen. God can do a lot of different things. Look, you're, you're, this is not come on demand here. So my last question, who here is a Chicago Cubs baseball fan? So right here, she didn't raise her hand. She's not hungry. But because she's a Cub fan and because we know they're God's team, I'm going to give you... <laughs> This amazing Reese's Peter. I can shake your hand for that. I have a round of applause. That'd be great. Sorry, you get nothing. And now some of you who are visiting and you don't know me, you're like, man, that was cruel. In fact, some of you in this room would say, that's not fair. I mean, you ask two questions. Who's hungry? Who loves Reese's? And then you totally do a pivot and you go totally in a different direction. And then you say, who loves the Cubs? And yes, we know they're God's team, but who loves the Cubs? And you go ahead and you play a homer and you go ahead and give that away. It's not fair. It's not fair. Well, today we're going to talk about what it means in life when life is not fair. Because I think sometimes in our life, some of you are sitting in this room and you think that with God. God, it's not fair. God in life, you know, God, you were moving in one direction and I was following you and I was doing all that I was supposed to do. And then all of a sudden, God, I don't understand. You totally went a different direction. God, I just don't get it. And it's not fair. Well, God has something to say about those times when we feel that way. 
And so let me catch you up to speed. We're going to turn to Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 3 in just a second. But let me catch you up. Jonah, had just close to spiritual death, turns to God and says, God, you are my God. And so then all of a sudden, God is going to once again say, all right, Jonah, thank you for turning back to me. Let me remind you of what I have you to do. Jonah chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Here we go. This time, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, 40 days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. Now, pause. Let me illustrate this and let me explain this a little bit more because some of you right now are going, see, there's the evil God again. He's going to destroy a city. Isn't that mean God? So you have to understand. I want you to pay really close attention. So he says, Jonah, go to the city and I want you to tell the city, warn them. They are speaking against me. They don't want anything to do with me. And so here's what I want you to do. Say 40 days from now, God is going to destroy you. Now, the thing that I love about that message is this. God could, if God God is God, he could do whatever he wants. And if he wanted to, he could have had Jonah go there and he could have said to the people, God is going to destroy you now. And it could have happened. But instead, God loving every single one of us and wanting all of us to understand who he is and how he has a plan for our lives. He says, I want you to go warn them and tell them 40 days from now, if they don't do anything, they will be destroyed. Now, all of a sudden, the king and the officials in this large city, they hear this word. And I want you to pay really close attention to how they respond. Because, again, they're not following God. They're wicked in their ways. If you, uh, Pastor Aaron talked about the Ninevites and how Jonah didn't even want to be associated with the Ninevites. They are not the right kind of crowd, God's kind of people. No one should be near them. And I want you to see what happens in a moment. Here's the king of this city, and here's what he has to say. No one, not even the animals, he sends this decree. No one, not even the animals from your herds or flocks may eat or drink anything at all. In other words, I want to fast. I want you to really recognize what's going on. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all the violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. All of a sudden, in a moment's notice, the king says to everybody, go into a state of mourning, stop eating, turn from your wicked ways, turn from the violence, and pray and talk and recognize who God is. Now, the truth is, and there's two parts to this message. This is the first part. You type A personalities, I'll tell you where we're going. This is the first part. And here's what I would say to a lot of us. There's a lot of us who we believe in God and we follow God, but the truth is, is we're living our life the way we want to live our life. You know, a wise man once said this, you cannot add Christ without subtracting sin in your life. You can't add Christ without subtracting sin. So there's a lot of us, though, that we like the idea of following Jesus and all of the things and wise things he has to say. Hey, I'll apply that to my life. I'll gain success. That's going to be great. You cannot add Christ without subtracting sin. Let Let me illustrate this. You see, what the king of this city really represented was this, is I'm going to live my life the way I want to. God, you're right here behind me. I'm turning my back to you. God, you're telling me I should live a different way. I should do something different. I'm turning my back to you, God, and I'm living like I want to live. And all of a sudden that king did a couple of things. And I want you to pay real close attention. The king stopped and he turned back to God and he said, God, I'm sorry. But he didn't just say, I'm sorry. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. First thing he did was repentance. He turned from what they were doing. He stopped the violence and he turned to, you notice he said, turn from your evil ways and stop. 
And so the king, he stops, he turns. And the next thing he does is say, God, I want to come back and I want to move towards you. See, there's two aspects to repentance in life. There's one which is to repentance, which is to turn 180 degrees and turn your shoulders back to God. It's God's life, it's not mine. So I'm going to turn back and I'm going to look you in the eyes, God. But the next thing I'm going to do, God, is I'm going to begin to move towards you. And so you turn from and you turn to. But there's a second part of repentance, which is really important for a lot of us. It's not just turning our shoulders back to God and saying, I'm sorry. Here's what I think a lot of us do. Here's what Terry does all the time. Terry forgets that it's not about him. Terry says, I'm going to live this next week for myself. I'm not going to listen to God. I don't want to talk to that person. I'm tired. I've had a long week. I don't have to do this, God. Sorry, I'm on break. It's a rest area and I pulled off the road. And I walk my path, turning my back to God. And then all of a sudden there's a time where all of a sudden I go, oh God, all right, God, I'm sorry. But then all of a sudden, five minutes later, life happens, something happens, I get mad or angry again, and here's what a lot of us do. We like to say we're sorry, and we turn our shoulders back to God, and for a brief moment, we think we're doing the right thing, but then we don't move towards him. We just stay in the same place, and then we turn around again, and we continue to move forward. You can't add Christ without subtracting sin, and many of us love to add Christ, sorry God, sorry God, sorry God, I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. That's not true repentance. And the reason why, and some of you in this room, you might say, well, Terry, why is it so hard to repent? It's so hard because of this next part of repentance. And it's what is called biblical restitution. And restitution means this, to make right that which was wrong. I talk about it all the time in our church. It's not just about turning your shoulders and saying, I'm sorry, and then continuing on. It's turning your shoulders and say, God, I'm sorry. God, what was it you wanted me to do? God, I, I, oh. I was supposed to encourage this person. You know, my son, he's been doing so many good things and I have just been too busy at work and I haven't been paying attention at time. So God, I'm sorry for that. What God? I need to make restitution. You know what? I'm going to make a schedule. I'm going to take him out for daddy's son breakfast on Saturday morning because I have neglected the time I should be spending with him. And so I'm going to go ahead and do that. So God, I'm going to move closer to you because you're calling me to make focus. What God? My marriage is starting to slip. I'm not honoring and cherishing my bride the way I do. You know what, God? I said a long time ago, I was going to open the car door. On my first day, I opened the car door for my bride and I haven't done that since 30 years of marriage. She has one not only opening the car, but she's the one driving now. God, what did I do? I should be showing. All right, God, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to open the car door once again and shock my bride to where she looks and says, what have you done? Amen. And close the door. You see, it's moving back toward God. Let me illustrate this a a different way. I was watching a Chicago Cub game, go figure, and um, shortstop Addison Russell, if you don't know baseball, it's okay, you don't have to know baseball. But the shortstop was running to make a catch. And the ball was coming toward the front part of the baseball field. And there was a fan sitting there. And the fan was eating and enjoying life. And this shortstop runs, runs, and dives into the stands and knocked over his huge plate of nachos. Take a look at the screen here. You can see it. Kicked his nachos. I feel bad for that guy. But I want you to pay really close attention because what Addison Russell did following this was called true repentance. You see, Addison Russell, he's all of a sudden and he kicks his nachos. And he looks to the individual, and you can watch online, and he says, I'm sorry. But then the next thing that Addison Russell did was a great picture of repentance and restitution. Take a look at what happened next. 
That middle inning, he bought a box of nachos and he walked him over and he handed it back to the gentleman. And you can see, look what happens in the life of a Cardinal fan. There is a God. But don't miss it. I think we as Christians have repentance all wrong. Because I think the real change in life happens when we stop when we turn and when we move back toward what God wants. You want to see lives change. You want to see families transform. You want to see God work in an incredible way. You need to have restitution along with repentance. And the reason why is is because that's what God does in our life. God shows mercy all the time. And what is restitution? Restitution is when you turn and you apologize and all of a sudden the mercy of God permeates every situation. So Jonah goes to the city and says, God's not happy. And in 40 days, you need to repent. The king says, let's repent. Let's put on sackcloth. Let's turn and let's recognize God, which they did. And I want you to see when we repent and have restitution, I want you to see what God does. Take a look at this. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and he did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. I want to share, if you're not a Christian in this room, or if you are a Christian, if you can pay attention for 30 seconds and you can go to sleep after this. But many of you are running from God and running from God and you refuse to stop and turn and repent and to go back and live a life that he wants you to because there's too much water on the bridge. God will never forgive me. I've hurt too many people. There's no way people will accept me. There's no way that I could do it. And you continue to run and run and get in deeper trouble. You need to hear me. The God that I know in Scripture, all He cares, all He wants is for you to one day realize to stop, turn, and say, God, I'm sorry. And then begin to walk towards Him. And if you do that, you will experience God's mercy like you've never experienced before. I preached a message several months ago, and it, it was on the Beatitudes. Blessed are the, mercy for, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. And so for you, if you turn and you make restitution and you walk back towards God, you will receive God's mercy. Now, some of you, that's your message and you go to sleep now. But I want you to see sometimes in life what happens. Those of us that live with it, it's not fair. Those of us with a focus on God where it's like, God, it's not fair. And I compare to others and everything else. And it's really about me and it's not about you. I want you to see Jonah because Jonah turned and he started walking back toward Nineveh and he was doing the right thing. And all of a sudden you're going to see Jonah do this like we do in life. Okay, I'm going to turn back around again. And Jonah turns his shoulders again because watch what Jonah says next about what Nineveh did. Take a look at this. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. Pause. They repented, recognized God, and now are going to follow God. A whole city, a large city. And Jonah's mad. Don't laugh too soon, because I think we do it all the time. Take a look at this. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you'd do this, Lord? That's why I ran to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry, filled with unfailing love. You're eager to turn back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. Now, why did he do that? You see, Jonah knew about Nineveh. And Jonah, while living a life for God, and Jonah, who God was using, Jonah honoring God, recognizing God, he had heard stories of Nineveh, and he had heard of the evil ways and the wickedness. He was associated with individuals who were affected by the sin of that city. And so there was a bitterness 
towards that city and anger towards people who did not like God, preached against it and put so many people out in pain. And Jonah didn't want anything to do with that city. And all of a sudden now he comes and they all decide in a moment, okay, even though we've done years of abuse and years of mocking God and years of hurting a bunch of people, we're sorry, God, and we're going to go the other way. And God then decides to spare them. What kind of justice is that? It's not fair. They don't deserve it. I've been doing this for so long, and they do it at the last minute. It's not fair. There are some of us in this room, and you might say, no, 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 Terry, you know, we're happy about that. No, no, no. Let's be honest. If you're a student in this room, you know what Jonah's talking about. If you're a student in this room, you've had a bully in the hallways at school. Some of you, a child or student, there's a bully that made or makes your life in the hallways miserable. And you don't want to pray for that person. You don't want them to turn around. You just want them to experience pain, the pain that you received. If you're a single adult, the guy or the girl that breaks your heart and doesn't seem to care. There are many of us that wear the bandages from the scars of a relationship in our past where we were mistreated, where all of a sudden we were the joke And even to this day, it has affected our lives. And when we think of that person, we don't smile and pray for them. We think of them and go, it's not fair. There's a spouse in the room right now, the one who doesn't treat you like she once did or hasn't fulfilled all the promises that they made. Right now, you're bitter and you're angry. And all of a sudden, when you see your spouse moving towards God, you're like, yeah, God, that's great. But you know what? I've been holding the bag for 20 years. And then there's the parents, the son or the daughter that doesn't honor respect, or even call you. There are some of you that are raising teenagers right now that you just want to wring their necks. A lot of you are screaming, it's not fair. It's not fair. You see, when you're in that mode and when you all of a sudden hunker down like Jonah and you say it's not fair, here's another thing we say. I always treated them the right way, God. I did it for the long haul. Why do they get the spoils too? You see, God, here's the truth. I deserve attention. I deserve admiration. I deserve affection. I deserve commitment. I deserve respect. It's interesting. I'm setting you up because many of you, you feel good when I said that, don't you? I deserve it. Be careful though. When you utter the words, I deserve, you've lost perspective. You've lost perspective in your work. You lost perspective at your home. You've lost perspective in life. Because watch what you did. Jonah, he was moving back towards God. And as soon as they repented, what did he do? He turned his back to God and said, it's not fair, God. Why is it not fair? Because it's about me, God. When you utter the words, it's not fair, you have forgotten that your life is not your life. It's his life. It's not your plans. It's not your perspective. It's not your priorities. It's his. And at the end of the day, nothing is more important than someone's relationship with God. Not all the money in the world, not all the resources in the world, nothing is more important than your relationship with God. And so when someone turns to Almighty God and says, God, I want you in my life, instead of us saying it's not fair, we should be shouting hallelujah. And we should say, thank you, Lord. And now here's the question for all of us in this room who are struggling with this, because there's many of us who live a faith and a theology that says, God, it's not fair. I want you to hear this. Because isn't it amazing in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, you know how many questions Jesus asked of us? Now, think of this. If you're not a Christian, I want you to, you can get this. Think of this. Jesus Christ, Son of God, who knows all things. He came down on the earth. He knows yesterday, today, and forever. He came down and he talked to us, sinful man, finite man. 
And instead of us pouring in and telling us everything, Jesus Christ has 307 questions to us. Do you know how many questions Jesus answered directly? Three. Do you want to know why? Because he knows the answers. It's about our hearts. And so I want you to pay really close attention because God mirrored this in the Old Testament because here's God and Jonah turns his back. It's not fair. I can't believe it. Just kill me now and watch what God does. He doesn't yell at Jonah. He doesn't tell him anything. It's a question and it's the most important question. Take a look at this. The Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? Is it right for you, spouse, to be angry and bitter at a husband who's trying? Is it right for you, student, to be angry and bitter at a bully who's had a change and is moving in the right direction? Is it angry at you, family member, who's estranged and they're starting to make amends, but in your mind it's too late? If you're taking notes, I want you to, this is the last thing I'm going to say, and I want you to, I'm going to tell you one last story, but I want you to write this down and I'm going to explain it. If perfect God is quick to grant mercy, how much more should we? If perfect God who knew no sin, who did everything right, looks at us who have sinned all the time and do all the wrong things, and when we cry out and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm going to move towards you, and, and immediately God grants us mercy, how much more should we grant mercy to the person who offends us, turns around and says, I'm sorry, I'm going to do the right thing? I'm going to share this. And I'm going. I was playing baseball the other day um, in my backyard with my son, Connor. He's 10 years old, and he has a wiffle ball set. And a wiffle ball is a pl- hard plastic ball. It's got holes in it and everything else. And I was playing with him, playing with him, playing with him. And then all of a sudden, you know, he said, I, I was done. I said, Connor, I'm done. I can't throw anymore. I'm tired. I'm going in. He said, no, Dad, Dad, just one more, just one more, just one more, like every kid does. Okay, fine, fine. I'll throw you one more pitch. So I literally go to the mound. He's there. I throw the wiffle ball. True story. He turns, and he hits a shot right back at me hits me right in the head. It dazed me. I turned because I didn't know, did I get cut? Did it, I got a black eye, a bloody nose? I mean, I, I saw stars and I turned and I went, oh, and I, I just gathered myself. And then when I opened my eyes, I'm there and Connor is standing right there and he has a look of horror on his face. And he says, daddy, are you okay? Daddy, are you okay? And I looked at him and I said, yeah, yeah, I'm okay, hon. I'm okay, son. I'm all right. And I want you to see something. Immediately, my son was overwhelmed with tears. His heart was broken. And he began bawling. And it shocked me. I was like, well, buddy, what's wrong? Buddy, what, what, what is it? What is it? What is it? Daddy, I'm so sorry. Daddy, I didn't want to hurt you. Daddy, I would never want to hurt you. If I wouldn't have had you pitch one more time, that wouldn't have happened. In his mind, he had sinned against me. He had hurt me. And he just was calling for my mercy. And as a dad, I, I was... Son, and I grabbed him and I hugged him and I held him like, buddy, it's okay. I'm okay. You didn't do it on purpose. It's okay. It's okay. But nothing I could do would calm him down in that moment because he just could not handle the fact that he had hurt his dad. Many of you turn and run from God 
And the thing you don't know about God is, is when you turn back to him and you run into his arms and you say, I'm sorry, he grabs you and he says, I love you. It's okay because your heart's broken and you've turned to me. I will give you all the mercy that you could, can't even imagine. There are many of you today that you've turned your back to God. And you'll turn every once in a while and say you're sorry, but you're refusing to walk back toward him. And I want to tell you something. God stands there with his arms wide open. And he is going to give you the love that you deserve as a child, son and daughter of God. Will you just turn and will you just walk back to him? Let's pray. God, I'm emotional because, Lord, I can tap into how I felt with my son. And my heart broke when I saw his heart breaking. And everything in me wanted to hold him and to make him know that it's okay. I forgive him. I love him. It's okay. Don't wear this scar. Don't wear this stain. We can have a great life. And I'm, I'm affected by it, Lord, because I hate, I hate, I hate that my son went through that emotion. And I know that's how you feel about us. So God, right now, I pray for the individual in this room. I pray for the Christian that has turned their back to you and that are running. God, I pray that they would know today that they can turn and they will find your arms wrapped around them. And they will receive the greatest mercy that they could ever imagine because you are quick to give mercy where we are not at times. If you're not a Christian in this room, that's the kind of God that we serve. That's the kind of Savior that we have. A Savior not wanting to condemn us, but to give us an amazing life here on earth and life everlasting. And so in this room, the greatest gift you could give him is to turn today and to say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I don't understand anything. I don't know everything. But God, I will turn to you. I will walk towards you. And God, teach me. Because God, I want that mercy in my life. And so today, if you've done that in your heart, you can celebrate. Because it's not about us. It's about him. And he is about restoring you. So, Father, in this room, I thank you for this message, and I pray that you would bless every heart. And may this week, may we remember it's not about us, it's about you. And even though it's not fair at times, nothing's more important than our relationship with you. We love you, Lord, and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.